Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hey everyone, it's Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. Uh, just a heads up that this is going to be one more week of a classic revisit, an episode that was one of my favorites to record. Longtime friend of the show, friend of Frameworth, friend of my dad, friend of myself, Jim Jerome. Also, one of the best friends of Wayne Gretzky as well. So, you know, he came to the recording studio with quite a few stories to tell, uh, dating back all the way to the 80s. I mean, it's it, the guy's full of stories, and this episode does not disappoint. We do actually, at some points in this episode, mention a giveaway that we did way back when, but keep in mind, the original release of this episode, it's episode 19, was in July of 2021. So, uh, obviously, that uh, giveaway no longer applies. Nevertheless, sit back and enjoy this episode. As I mentioned, one of the most fun episodes we've ever recorded. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say is Jim Jerome, obviously we mentioned it in the podcast, hosts uh, his own podcast called The Suspendables alongside Russ Cortnell. He's also now on the Steve Warren Project uh, about Ottawa sports and whatever is the byline. So if that interests you, make sure to check that out as well. Thanks again to Jim for joining us in this episode almost a year ago. And thanks to you for continuing to listen. Hit us up, sign off hot at framework.com if you have any requests for episodes you want to see in the future. And we will see you guys next week. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. I'm joined in studio by my trusty sidekick. That's canon now. Brian Aaronworth, president <laughs> of Frameworth. Uh, and we have another special guest. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see his uh, his grinning face over there. A comedian and broadcaster well-known for his days on Three Guys on the Radio, which was a radio sport talk show, which began in around 1999. Currently hosts The Suspendables alongside Russ Cornell and yet another podcast as well, which we'll get into a, a little bit. We got Jim Jerome joining us. Jungle Jim Jerome. Uh, local Ottawa fans will likely uh, recognize this guy. He's doing a little dance for you. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't have the visual, Jim's going to bring a lot to the table. So make sure to check us out on YouTube as well. Do the old song and dance, like subscribe, tell your friends, etc., etc. Jim, how are you doing today? Hey, top shelf fellas. Uh, good to see you. Uh, Mikey, you don't know this because Brian uh, is one of my all-time favorite people. Okay, nicest. well, you know, I'm in the room, too, when you say that. That's whatever. <laughs> Are you guys side by side? Okay, it looks like a split screen. It what? is. It's a split screen. We have so so uh, uh, a little bit of peek behind the curtains, which is great, because what we like to do on this podcast is talk about outside of, of the ring and, and the, the, the business of sports and everything around it. Uh, we have two webcams. They're facing us. We've, we're piping in to the interview with Jim with an overlay and everything. So we're sitting across from one another, and then we, we're going to add your video to the feed afterwards. Okay, good luck with that. I, 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 bet, I bet you're. I bet Brian and I are in the same page. I have no idea what he's talking. Over. About. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Brian, I, I love your dad. I want to move in with your mom and dad. Mikey, oh, as a matter of fact, yeah. Uh, I we Brian and I met. Well, I don't know, tw almost twenty years ago, I guess, maybe yeah. Yeah. at the Gretzky camp. I, I know we're going to talk about that, but um, and I've got I've got a couple of great uh, collectible stories for you. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, because I, you know, when I moved out West in 1985, I, I came out here with Molson Breweries and uh, my job was looking after the Oilers. And right. so how bad was that? You know, uh, in, in the, <laughs> the mid-80s, you know, yeah, good timing for sure. And, uh, you know, it was, was the heyday, of course. Here's your season's tickets, Jimmy, and, and you can go check out this team and look after them. Uh, yeah, I know who they are. You know, I didn't <laughs> have to them. check them out. Yeah, I, I got an idea. However, I was, I was at that time, you guys would know better than I, I would, but, but the collectible game, Brian, wasn't, wasn't anywhere what it is now, no. right? Uh, I, I don't even know if it was a big business back then. You're talking 35 years ago. Um, so I, I wasn't a collector. Um, not because I didn't want to be. I just I was just kind of lazy about it. I never I was around that team uh, for many years, and and then became great friends with a bunch of them. Um, and I, I guess if I was, I'd I'd be a zillionaire, you know, <laughs> if I was grabbing game sticks and stuff like that. But but I never did. But I, I've got to tell you a couple of <laughs> a couple of great stories about stuff that I did end up with. Um, so the first one, Brian, you, you and I, we met at the fantasy camp. 
in must have been in Phoenix, right, Brian? That, that would was be the first, first one. one. Yeah. As, as a quick introduction, we've talked about the fantasy camps uh, to, to the listener who may not be fully aware. We've talked about this on past episodes, but essentially what the fantasy camp was was a coming together of Wayne Gretzky and his uh, cohorts, uh, giving an opportunity for people to purchase a ticket and play hockey alongside them for three or four days. Uh, an amazing event. We're going to get into detail about that. But when we talk about the fantasy camp, that's what we're referring yeah. to. And we'll, we'll go into detail about that in a little bit, too. Right. Um, so it was after 2002, it was after the Salt Lake City Olympics. And, um, I, so I, I, I went to all these camps for years to MC and, and, and run the dinners and stuff like that and do video and, uh, you know, website stuff for Wayne. It was a riot. It was an absolute riot. You know, it's like, I'm, I called it a glorified stag Brian, back in the day, <laughs> yeah, right? It's it a was good like, too. Good you know, description. Any good, you know, all these guys and, and, uh, so at the at the opening dinner, uh, or or maybe the closing dinner, um, Roots was commissioned. The, the company Roots, the clothing company, was commissioned to to make clothing for the Olympic, the ca- Canadian Olympians. Right. Uh, and the the hockey team they ended up with this cool leather jacket that they made. Right. Because Canada hadn't won a gold in I don't know fifty years or something like that uh, for hockey. So they had yeah, this yeah. fifty year jacket that they made. Uh, for all the players and uh at the dinner um there there was one of those jackets was there maybe you framed it brian i don't know but it was in a big shadow box frame yeah it was like the coolest thing ever and as it ended up because i'm a crier uh like <laughs> you brian um wayne ended up presenting this thing to me to get to and give me this jacket and i was like i, I was just like beyond myself and I was holding it up, being stupid, and uh, yeah, I think it was you for sure, uh, Brian, because I ended up cracking the frame while I was oh, being an no. idiot. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, I went to move it. You know, I had it in my hands. I was like, look at this. All right, nothing. Well, it couldn't, um, that couldn't have been ours because our pieces would never break that easily. <laughs> no, of course it wasn't. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, so I had this thing, and uh, like I said, I, I wasn't a, a great collector, and not not because I don't don't like it and all the stuff that people had. So what I've done with stuff that I did get is I, I give it to friends, uh, who do, who have shrines, you know, or in their offices, they have, they have stuff. And so I gave it to a guy I work with, Steve Warren. In fact, I do a daily podcast with him and he hung it in his house. And, and of course the deal is you can never sell it. Okay. I'll, I'll give it to you and you can, you can't give it away or any of that stuff. You know, you got to give it back to me. Anyway, he had it on his wall and, uh, God bless Steve and his wife. Uh, their, their son is autistic. Uh, Michael is his name. He's into his 20s now. And Steve gets up in the morning one, one day and sees this frame sitting on the floor with the jacket gone. Okay, oh, in his no. House. Yeah. Yeah, the glass is smashed and uh, there's no jacket. And he's going, oh, my God. You know, and he's looking around going, well, I don't think we got robbed. And... And in comes from outside in the yard, in comes his son, Michael, who's wearing the jacket. Going, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd take it to school, dad. Um, yeah. Which is so, anyway, I don't know. Those things are, would, would be very collectible. Oh, and, huge. Yeah. And the other one is, this will drive you bananas. Uh, I was at the Stanley Cup final game against Philly, whatever year that was, in Edmonton. And I was sitting with Glenn Gretzky. He was my roommate uh, at, at the time. And where my seats were, you know, four rows up from the ice and about 10 rows over from the Oilers bench. Anyway, they win the Stanley Cup and, and Mess is there skating around. And he's, he's trying to get Glenn and I to come over the glass to jump on the ice, you know, after, after the final whistle. And I said, God, no, I'm not, I, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to castrate myself. <laughs> so anyway, Mess is standing there crying and we're all crying and he, and he looks at me and takes his gloves off and throws me his hockey gloves. Oh, wow. Okay, one at a time and gives me these gloves, right? And, and everyone knew they were for me. They knew I knew those guys. I was, you know, my, my tickets were there for all those years. Uh, and he gave me these gloves. You know, and I said, oh, this, this is crazy. So I had these gloves. So anyway, I'm, I, you know, I'm from Ottawa. I went to high school and the university in Ottawa. I'm originally from Sudbury. And I went back to Ottawa and I brought these because my brother, you know, he was right into hockey and right into the Oilers as I was. So I brought these things with me. And it, 
in a big, you know, and I, in a big moment, my brother was there and I said, you know, Bob, I love you and all this stuff and I've got something for you, you know, and I present him these gloves. Game Warren, Stanley Cup, <laughs> like game seven, wow. I think, like I said, against Philly, Mark Messier, gloves. And I give them to him and he goes, oh man, these are great, you know, and because he hung some stuff on his, on his walls. And uh, he said, this is fantastic, you know. And someone would always ask me, you know, what, what are they worth? You know, I said, I have no idea. I have no idea what they're worth. Anyway, give them to my brother. Uh, he hangs them above his fireplace. And I don't know, a year or two later, I'm over at his house and I'm looking around and I said, where, where are those gloves? And he goes, you know what? I wore them during my beer league game. Oh my the, God. The pods ripped. Uh, so I threw them out. What? Uh, <laughs> what is happening? I think, well, I think, I think it was on acid at the time or something. I don't know. But Best guess uh, right now, that's 25 to 50 grand US. Oof, no shit. No yeah. kidding me. Oh for for that specific game, that's, oh, wow. That, that's, well, look, I mean, I mean, the, the collectible stories are one thing. You kind of touched on quite a bit there. We're going to, we're going to Tarantino this interview and we're going to start with a lot of information and then peel back the layers and show how we got there. You've mentioned Wayne Gretzky in your relation to uh, him and his brother as, as your roommate, your relationship with Mark Messier, uh, the fantasy camps as well. Let's uh, take a step back and explain who you are and, and how you got there because some of our listeners may not know who you are. And if you don't, you're in for a treat. Uh, Jimmy, you are notoriously in the industry one of the funniest human beings um, and I want to go through a few and a, a self-proclaimed comedian which is an interesting way to say it but I mean you you call yourself a comedian so um, I want to go I'll through, attest to that okay my dad will attest yeah. to that I will as well I want to go through three descriptions of you that I found online and I want to okay. get your impressions of them okay, okay. the first okay. one Straight from Wikipedia, the the source where I get all of my study information sure. and basically very everything accurate. Yeah, yeah very accurate this is taken, this is verbatim from Wikipedia. Jim Jerome's claim to fame is a Gretzky sidekick from the 1980s and his unorthodox <laughs> takes on the game of hockey, his ability to change any subject to golf and his tongue-in-cheek references to women and sexual issues. Now, my, there's a lot to unpack. There's, you know what? I want that on my fucking business card. <laughs> That'd be a great business card, Brian. It would be. Oh, yeah. man. I, uh, I, I, you never heard that before, Jim? No. Well, uh, Wikipedia no. is just written by whomever wants to write it. So someone, some person out there took the time to write this out. What are you, a, a lot to unpack with that, but I want to get your impressions. Your claim to fame is as Gretzky's sidekick. What what is good, bad, indifferent? What how do you explain that? Well, it's the you know, I was the male groupie, right? Uh, so <laughs> um what we're all born around the same time. So I I get asked that all the time. Yes. Yes, we are, you know, best of friends. We're really, we're, we've been for since 1985. So people always ask me, how did you meet? How did all this start? And so when I came to Edmonton, yes, uh, you know, it was the other heyday. I was, the, I was the promotions guy for the team. And, um, so because of that, looking after the others, they were the, they were the, the thing to look after right, for Molson. Right. And so that meant, Give those guys anything they want all day long. Dropping beer off at their house every month, uh, down at the rink, giving bags away, uh, you know, whatever, cab cards. And then the the brewery. There was a brewery here at the time, uh, Molson, and they had a, a really cool building on the brewery grounds called uh, it was called the Fort or what was it? Molson House they called it. And all the press conference they had a huge deal. Uh, Molson sponsored all those teams back then, the Canadian teams. And part of that deal was all the press conferences for the Oilers would be at Molson House. Um, all, all the charity stuff was, had, a, had a Molson tag on it. It was, it was a huge deal, as you can appreciate. So also, uh, you know, I was down at the rink every single day. And then uh, there was a thing called the Molson Cup, which went to the player who got the most three stars in a month. And I guess who it was, you know. Um, <laughs> every month. You know, every month. Uh so a typical day, uh, when I first moved there, I met these guys. Uh, I, I mean, I was overwhelmed. You know, I'd get in my car, go, oh, my God, I can't believe I've got this gig. So I was there in the morning, uh, working there about a month. It was in, in March. Um, so I didn't know the guys, but they knew 
who I was. It's yeah, like the Molson, the Molson guy. guy, you know, yeah. handing something out. You're their Santa Claus. You're just coming yes, with good exactly. gifts and goodies. So, yeah. So I was down at the rink in the morning and I saw Wayne and Mark and, and Yari and everyone list goes on and on. And then that afternoon there was a press conference at Molson and I was there uh, always for those things. Uh, and then that night I was, uh, at the rink for the, uh, there was, you know, in the dressing room. And so I saw them all, of course, um, a couple hours before the game. And then they had a, a Molson rep present that Molson cup every month. And so I was the guy who presented it that night and it was to Wayne. And then after the game, I was, uh, you know, I was living alone out here. I wasn't lonely, but I was alone. And then right to the bar. Okay. Right to the bar after the game. And, and Wayne was there with, with, a, you know, a bunch of other guys from the team. And so this was the sixth or seventh time that day I saw him. And I was having a little rusty nail, uh, a little scotch and drambuie. And I was looking around to see which girl I could talk to. Uh, and, and Wayne was there and I, I kind of waved to him, you know, and he waved back. And, and so, uh, being a sort of clown, I waved him over, you know. And, oh, like, and, hey. You don't don't be shy. Come say hi to me. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on over here. And he's sort of pointing <laughs> at his own chair, going like me. Come over there. Are you right? <laughs> and I'm going, yeah. So anyway, he comes over. I'm by myself, and he goes, "Hey," uh, like he didn't even know my name. You know, or he forgot. He goes, "What's up?" And I said, uh, "Apparently, you're some sort of stalker." <laughs> and he looks at me and laughs and goes, "I said." I've seen you all day. I was there this morning. You know, I gave you the cup tonight, you know, on ice. And uh, and now I'm trying to have a private moment as I wind down my day. And I've got you following me all over the freaking city, you know. And anyway, he, he was laughing his head off. He, he's following uh, so you chat. like uh, McSorley follows him on the ice, right? He's just, That's just right. Shadow, That's yeah. right. So um, he's, he's laughing his head off and then we chat. And so I tell him a little bit of you know, where I was from and stuff like that. And he goes, do you play golf? And I said, yeah, I do. Yeah, I love golf. I'm a, I'm a fanatic. And he said, uh, we're going to golf tomorrow. Do you want to come and play golf? And uh, I'm, I'm, I remember this going through my head going, okay, is he, is he joking with me right now that, that the great one has asked me to play golf? And I said, of course. Yeah, of course I will. And so I drove home. Back in those days, you drove, you drove, drove. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, and I went to work the next day. And I'm like, as if, you know, I'm going to get a phone call. And I was sitting in my office and uh, the secretary came into my office and said, some idiot just phoned here saying it was Wayne Gretzky looking for you. And I hung up on him. <laughs> oh, no. I was, like, I was like the kid on Home Alone. You know, I was like, no. <laughs> anyway, he phoned back under a different name and and we went golfing that day. And, and so that's how I met him. That's you know, amazing, I, I, I'm going to interrupt here because what you just said is so typical, Wayne. And obviously, you know him a lot better than I do, but we, we've known each other over the years now and become pretty friendly as well. But I remember going to his restaurant, Wayne, whenever he's in town, and, and he'll call me and say, hey, we're having dinner down at the restaurant when it existed. Right. And right. Uh, he'd get the back room there, the Gordie Howe room. And so I thought, okay, I'll come down. And I think he even invited Laurie, my wife. And so we go down there and he had a couple of people with him. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting next to, there's about 12 people in this room and I'm sitting next to him. There's about uh, three people. I just didn't have a clue. I don't know who they are. And then mm -hmm. Connor McDavid walked in, but that's yeah. a whole other thing. And so I start talking to these people. You know who they were? Flight attendants and the pilot from the plane that he was on. Oh, wow. yeah. oh that's awesome. Sure. He just he just got along. They treated him well. And he says, want to come down to the restaurant and have dinner with me? Didn't know these people. Just right. out of the blue. So that's Wayne. He just does so many neat things like that. Yeah, that Brad Brad Jansen, Brad Jansen had a lot of similar story. I mean, it just anyone who's in his inner circle has stories about this. And, you know, it, it's tough because I feel like with, with a lot of athletes and celebrities, if you have one bad moment ever and someone witnesses it and that's their only experience with you, they're telling everyone they know that you're an asshole. But no right. one's paying attention to the fact that all of Wayne's friends who surround him constantly tell these stories to show, you know, you talked about uh, before the podcast that the 80-20 rule of podcasting, the 80-20 rule of, of Wayne Gretzky and celebrity is uh, is that he's always doing the right thing. Maybe we have a bad day every now and again, but but uh, I think more people should talk about the effort put forward 
forward uh, to engage with the fans. Now, um, you you mentioned this, uh, Jimmy, as, as your experience getting to know Wayne. Um, I'm curious, though, because now... As you your self proclamation, uh, proclamation, and this is this is the uh, second description of you that I've found on the internet is <laughs> Jimmy is one of those naturally funny people, and his list of friends in hockey seems endless. Naturally funny people is that is that was that your own descriptor of yourself, or did someone write your biography on the Suspendables uh, website there? Um, I, I don't know who did it. Uh, I tried to write my own stuff. Right, Uh-oh. what would that have Wikipedia said? And, and you know, I said I'm going to do all this, and then I got busted for it. You wrote this shit, okay? <laughs> well, my my question is more is more like yeah, okay, naturally funny person, but now you call uh, yourself a comedian, rightfully so, and a broadcaster. But at this point in time, when you were a rep at Molson's, what was your relationship to comedy and broadcasting? Was it anything? Had you had any experience there, or were yeah, you just so, a naturally funny yeah. person? No, I, I didn't. My dad was awfully funny. My dad was drop dead politician, funny I, right? James, uh, yeah. James Brown. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was the federal member for Sudbury for many years. And then he became the speaker of the house and, and then, and then a federal court judge, um, before he died. Uh, uh, anyway, he was, he was very funny and loved telling jokes. And I liked that. I, you know, I liked that. I love, and I became good at sort of doing impressions a little bit and accents and, when I moved to Edmonton, um, no, I, I had not done any comedy up to that that point, and I went to a bar. Uh, as Russ would say, "Shocker!" Yeah, <laughs> I was at a bar, and uh, uh, they they would. It was always a comedy show. It was on Monday nights, and I'd go watch this stand up comedy show, and I loved it. And at the end of the night, uh, they would have people get up and tell jokes and to give something away. It was so long ago, Brian. They gave away record albums. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Those are coming back now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah vinyl. Okay. And uh, anyway, I used to win this thing all the time. You know, I loved it. I loved it. And the host won Monday night for that show. And I got to know the owner of the bar. I couldn't make it. And and the guy phoned me and said, I want you to come and MC this show. The, the guy snowed in. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, he said, just get over here and, and just get up and tell some jokes and introduce the comedians. So... I was in my office all day, mostly writing, writing, writing. Uh, anyway, I got there and I was so nervous. Uh, I drank because he counted. Uh, I'd mentioned rusty nails. I drank twenty-one of these rusty what? nails while I was there. Oh yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. But 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 I, but I was standing up at the end of the night and and uh, I was now I was the guy giving away the albums and I was opening these things. And as as you know, if you've ever been on stage or you've seen the stage, you know the lights are right in your face, so you can't see. Past the past the stage lights, and I was winging these like frisbees. <laughs> these are lethal, baby. You know, if you ever took one in the neck, okay, you're gonna or you, you know, might hit your carotid and you're done. Uh, anyway, I piled off the stage. The owner was there, and I was saying, "Well, that was fun. Thanks for the experience." And he said, "You got to do it every every Monday night." It, that was super funny. And I, I said, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to. And, and that's how it started. And I started emceeing a comedy show and then guys came up to me, you know, like you might've been there, Brian said, we got a company Christmas party. Will you come and emcee at golf tournament, et cetera. And that's how it started. Um, and, and then the break of my life was I was, um, in Ottawa, uh, emceeing a roast for Brian Kilray, the famous junior hockey coach. And, uh, we had a riot. And at the end of the night, a, a program director from the radio station uh, came up to me and said, hey, would you mind jumping on? We got a bunch of sports nerds and we need some levity. And and that that turned into a 13-year gig doing a morning show in Ottawa. So all that time I started traveling with the comedy, and, you know, through Canada and, and the States. Uh, I was always, you know, I was never a stand-up. I was, I was always doing private corporate gigs uh, all the time. And so I was lucky. Uh, I always had another job. Is is uh, this after or during your job with Molson? Well, I started it with Molson, and and then I started getting asked to do stuff um, when I was with Molson because I, I remember a guy said, "Hey, would you come and MC this gig?" And what do you charge? And I said, "Charge, charge, oh, nice." You know, I, I didn't charge anything, you know. And uh, I remember getting eighty bucks or something way back then for this first gig. The guy paid me cash and all the and rest of the meals you can drink. Cool. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so I was, I've been doing that ever since the, the, the late 80s. And how did you maintain uh, your relationship with Wayne during this time and, and the Edmonton Oilers? Was that through Molson as well, like, like uh, consecutively? Or? Well, well, 
you know, it ended up being friendships with those guys. So we're, we're sure all of us are about the same age. Most of those guys were born in 61 or around then, like, you know, cough and mess and, and Wayne, uh, Glennie Anderson, uh, Yari, of course was there and, and a bunch of other guys in that team. So, um, you know, you had brought up Wayne and, and how fantastic he is and how smart he is. And, uh, his reputation has been, you know, pure white, right? How he's, how he's managed to stay at a, you know, he never got in trouble anyway, but, but he avoid, avoids controversy and he was just super, super nice to me. And then we became buddies, you know, uh, that, that, that story you tell about the flight attendants and the pilots, uh, showing up, you know, at the, at the gig and were invited by Wayne. Um, you know, I remember in that fantasy camp, Brian, there was, there was, you know, great stories about how guys ended up there. And one of them was one year, uh, that when that fantasy camp started, uh, the wife of one of the campers, as they were called, said, you got to go to this thing, right? He was a, he was a massive fan and they didn't have any money. They had, they had like life savings of eight grand or something like that. And then, you know, that camp cost in around there. Uh, and, and she said, that's okay. Well, well you, you take that money and go. And so, so that story started to float around the camp. And, uh, Wayne, Wayne never said anything at the time, but, but Wayne refunded the kid the money, you know, and, and, uh, wow. he's given away more cars than, than you'll ever own, uh, <laughs> from stuff that he's won. But, um, he, you know, I, unfortunately I had a brother who was killed. My younger brother was killed. And I remember getting to the house. It was in 86. And I remember getting to the house, uh, back in Ottawa. And when I got there, my mother's, my mother's said, who, who's, who's Wayne? <laughs> I, well, it's, it's, that's who it is, mom, the, the great one. And he sent, uh, boxes of food, you know, oh, to the wow. house. He was the f- first guy to do it. Uh, just a wonderful guy. He had a surprise birthday party for me that I, that I showed up late for. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, t- I'm going to give you a, a little outside perspective because, uh, I met Jim, uh, maybe before, but, uh, but at, probably around the fantasy camp when it started. I have never seen Wayne so engaged in a guy. He he will have Jim MC anything he does. And I've never seen a guy think somebody is so fun. Is that fun? Right. <laughs> like Wayne will sit in the front row and he will be in tears. And Jimmy can be a little off color. And some of the things I, I go hope. Not really. Like, <laughs> there was all sorts of jokes that Jim made. You know, we, we all know a little bit about Janet, the, the, the issues about the gambling and things. And he would sit on stage. We'd have I don't know two hundred people in the room, and he'd be talking about uh, the gambling thing. And I'm thinking, oh, Wayne's going to be really pissed. He was in hysterics. There was right. Jim was so irreverent, and 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 of course, uh, uh, Paulina. There was you know Paulina liked to wear provocative clothes, and Jim would right. make comments. And I'm thinking that's his daughter. He's going to say he would be crying. Well, it seems like your relationship began on the basis that you treated him like a regular human being as Wayne Gretzky you must you have yes men and yes women all around you all the time you started out by giving him a little bit of shit and he probably loved that and and that's what he loved about you you know to be treated like a normal human being the third description of you that i found online and this will this will wrap this up in the, in a nice little bow is actually uh, was said by Wayne Wayne Gretzky says He's the funniest man on earth, which makes me want to ask the question, um, how has Wayne gone his whole life without hearing George Carlin? Like, what? <laughs> am I crazy? Uh, what? Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the ones I wrote that snuck through. Yeah. Uh, you know, funniest guy, funniest guy in the world. I'll tell you, I'll tell you all those years doing those gigs. Brian was saying, you know, how much he liked, he loved to laugh. And, and people, people, what they don't know about Wayne, most of it's, you know, documented about the guy, but uh, you guys would know, and I know very well that he is very funny. Okay, very funny. Just, uh, he's got one of the best sense of humors I I know, to be honest with you. And he's he's very fast, very quick witted, and um, so he laughed a lot. You know, and he uh, when we did gigs. Because you're right, Brian, back in those days, uh, I called them my blurry days. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, you are, I you drank. are, we, we should say you are uh, sober how many years now? 
Yeah, 12. 12 years. 12 years okay. clean, clean and sober. But I liked you a lot uh, better when you were drinking. <laughs> you yeah, are you are the problem. You are the problem. Yeah. yeah. I say congratulations. Fun, you know, we can. Uh, um, anyway, so I did some crazy shit, you know, when I was on stage and offensive and over the top sometimes. But he always had my back. And so when we, we started, you know, the more gigs, he always kept me doing these gigs. He was super loyal. He's a great friend. And, and he said, dude. Okay, you had mentioned, uh, Brian, the year that that gambling thing came out and then Rick Tockett, of course, was part of it and he was with Phoenix at the time and he got suspended. Uh, Self-imposed, he came forward and said, fine, I'll take it. He wasn't allowed in the rink. Uh, He was at Phoenix and he couldn't go near an NHL rink. and, And so he was coming near the end of that suspension. In fact, it happened the week the... The fantasy camp was on, and I think it was in L.A. at that time. Are, are you able to quickly just give a little bit of an explanation on on what happened there for our listeners who aren't aware? Just just a quick little summary? Or, um, or do you not want to get into it? Yeah, no, no, it's okay. I, I, it's I public think, domain. Yeah, yeah. I think what happened is Rick uh, was involved in some sort of, you know, now, now it would be fine, you know, but back then he was in, involved in some gambling or something, and there was a... I don't know. I, I don't want to say a sting operation, but anyway, he got he got called on the carpet about it, and then Janet's name got pulled into this thing, and um, so that's all I know about it, um, or all I yeah, that's all I know about it. And any anyway, the shit hit the fan, and then um, so Rick was welcomed back that week of the fantasy camp, and he was there, and he was able to go into the building, and uh, um. The trainers were so funny. I don't know if you remember, Brian. So Rick was, his office was there and, and they put black electrician's tape like, like, like jail bars on the window of his office. <laughs> they had, they had a dry, they had a dry, they had a dry erase board, right? Saying, uh, like they had, they had betting lines of all the teams on this board of Rick. <laughs> They had had meal of the day was bread and water. The phone numbers, the phone numbers, they had phone numbers, fake numbers there. And it was like Biff, Snake, uh, you know, with their numbers, uh, Bookie, you know, and all this stuff. Oh, man. It was hilarious. Anyway, Wayne would always say to me, hey, Scooter, before you jump up there, what's the plan? Okay. Because... Because Wayne doesn't like offending people. He doesn't, he doesn't like to get too edgy. But he'd always grab me by the shirt collar and go, I don't want anything said about this Rick thing. Right? And I said, no problem. That's the one knowing thing you don't I, say to I a comedian. Yeah, yeah. And so he said, what are you going to do? And I said, don't, it's okay. It's all good. You know, trust me. He said, no, fuck. I don't trust you. Okay? <laughs> I don't. And so what I did was uh, for that thing, uh, I got an easel. And, um, I had it, I had a sheet over this, uh, you know, seemingly piece of art. Okay. Like a print. Okay. And this thing was sitting there and I, so I launched into this opening dinner and said, welcome everyone. And, uh, um, we would like to, first of all, uh, welcome back, uh, everyone to the fantasy camp and, um, Wayne, if you don't mind coming up, I'd like to make a presentation. And he's, he's sort of like shaking his head. I go, Would you please come on stage? Uh, and, but, but before we do any of this, as you're coming up here, Wayne, we would really sincerely from the bottom of our hearts, we'd like to welcome back Rick Tockett. And, uh, it kind of got this standing. O. I said, uh, Rick, if you don't mind coming forward as well. And Wayne's looking at me. Oh, no, here what we are go. you doing? And I said, no, this is a, this is a tender moment. Uh, and then I, I ripped the sheet off and because it was at the end of January, this camp back then, I ripped the sheet off and I've got a betting pool on a chart <laughs> right, that says, you know, you, you know where you buy the 10 squares? Yeah. You know, Super oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got, uh, for, I've got like from the betting house, talk it, talk it and Jones. And I said, now, Rick, how does this work? Okay, help us out. You get a hundred bucks here or there and Wayne's just shaking his head. Uh, but he always said, yeah, that was great. That was great. But he so, would laugh uh, his head off after. I mean, in advance, that would be one thing. But, you know, we had a lot of fun at those camps. Yeah. And everybody, including Wayne and the, like, he'd all have his best friends there. Yeah. And we, and we, Brad talked about when they went to Europe together. All these guys were so close to Wayne. They'd do anything he asked. And, and it was one, you're right, Jim. That was the best description. It's like one big stag. Yeah. And in the early days, it, you didn't have the guys didn't bring their wives or it was just a guy's thing it was like go to Vegas and party 
And, right. But you always answer the bell, and, and you're on the ice the next day. Because no you're not what. you're not just partying. It is a tournament that goes on oh, over yeah. the course of the week. Yeah. So why don't we get into that then? Let's let's talk about the fantasy camp, how it started, uh, how you got involved, Jimmy. I mean, I think that's pretty apparent now. Uh, Wayne liked you enough that he wanted you to be the MC uh, year and year. You've actually been the MC at an she, event. I came uh, cheap too. You came cheap, came cheap. You know? Yeah, fair, yeah. fair. Uh, that sixty dollars that you charged back for your your first MC gig that hasn't changed. Well, since let it. me cover this because I think you're just about to touch on that. We had a number of events here at our showroom, um, and it was big, fancy uh, dinners that we had. Yeah. We've had Mario Lemieux. We've had Bobby Orr, and and Wayne did us the favor of of being here one night, and we had a full house. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. Not only did he insist, but I would never have asked anybody else, but we flew Jimmy in from Edmonton. Yeah. I think it was Edmonton at the time. And just to to, to host to this MC, thing because yeah. we knew that's what Wayne would want. That's who I wanted yeah. because I I think that was funny. That event, I have one of the weirdest experiences that I've ever had working in this industry happened to me at that event. Now, what it was was essentially a meet and greet with Wayne Gretzky. You you come in, there's a gala, there's an open bar, uh, everyone's there. It's it's kind of like a black tie event. Everyone dresses up. Can't recall exactly how many people, but fairly intimate. About 200, yeah. About 200. You you take you take a an, a picture with Wayne Gretzky, uh you with go, all his trophies. With all of his trophies, right. you go back, you right. have What's that, sorry? No, no, I remember that. I've oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, with you, you go take take the picture. Uh, you have dinner. There's a and a You were involved in that as well. Uh, and by the end of the night, you have the picture of you and Wayne with the trophies framed. Great, right? As the night was winding down, I was sitting uh, at the table uh, beside Wayne's uh, as as I was helping put put on the event. And Wayne's gone at this point. Most of the people have taken their frames and are going home. Someone walks up to Wayne Gretzky's table, and we're sitting there talking with a couple of the people who are left. And he's like, oh, what? Wayne was sitting here, eh? And we were like, yeah, Wayne, you know, he was, he was right there. We, we, we all saw him playing his day. He's like, oh, he's, he's gone now? We're like, yeah, no, he, he took off. Oh, okay. This was his chair? All of a sudden, I'm getting a little bit weirded out. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's where he was sitting. <laughs> then he says, this is his cup of water. I want to lick his chair. Well, I lick his almost, chair. <laughs> almost. This is his cup of water. And I said, I don't know where he was drinking. He picks up the cup of water, takes a sip out of it, Passes it to his friend. His friend takes a sip out of it, and they high five, and they're like, "That was the coolest thing." We've ever this is like a, hilarious. A thousand dollar a plate dinner, and you yes. got guys drinking out of his water cup. Yeah, yeah. But no. as Wayne, as funny as Wayne was known to do, he would be there. And actually, Jerry D, the comedian, was, yeah, was there, there as well. well yeah. And he he was a friend of mine, so he and and a big Wayne Gretzky fan. So he want. So I don't ask him to do the comedy. Jim was doing the, the right. hosting right. that. But he volunteered to get up and do a few right. few lines. But at the end of the evening, this is typical of Wayne. He uh, he knows that people are being polite and waiting and don't want to. And you're not supposed to bother Wayne at these because everybody right, right, got right. autographs. Everybody got their photo taken with them. Stuff you couldn't get elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know at the end of the night, even though the rules apply, people are going to swarm him right. when they know he's getting up to leave. Right. So he got, he always gets up a few minutes before everybody expects it. So I'll be right back, just going to the bathroom, and never right. comes yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to at that point. <laughs> and and That's he's the done move. it. That's with the his, move. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pro move and something that he's notorious for. And it's, at, it's at a the, smart thing to do at the fantasy camps. Though it's it's quite different because he'll stay up with everybody oh. and 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 kind of sit there and shoot the shit. Uh, it's a fantastic event. Uh, uh, Jimmy, why don't you start by telling us were you involved in the initial planning of the first event or were you brought on kind of after everything was set in motion? Um, before we do that, can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're talking about meeting him and how down to earth he is and how humble, uh, and how he's just a guy's guy, you know, we're going to change uh, the name of this to Wayne cast. I think this, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It'll be up and then we'll move along. So, you know, he's still the great one, right? He's still, I, I I still, I still get, uh, you know, excited when I'm going to see him and, uh, you know, it's just incredible to be around him and, I was in Florida on a golf trip with a bunch of guys and Wayne happened to be in Tampa. We were down in Sarasota and I was talking to him and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm down in Florida, you know? And he said, well, grab eight guys. There was like 12 of us playing golf down there and bring them up. I'm doing a deal for Budweiser. And uh, uh, he said, you know, come up tonight. And I said, okay. And as it ended up, I, I thought this will be an omelet. There's 12 of us and we can only go with eight. As it ended up, we came up with eight guys and, and, one of the guys was freaking out, okay? He was absolutely freaking out that we we're going to meet Wayne. 
and he was drinking beers all day. We played 36 holes. Whoa. And he was asking me, what jacket should I wear, Jimmy? Got, I got like a nice navy blue blazer. I got an aqua green one. And I said, oh, yeah, go with that aqua green one. And he was going, he was just getting more and more fired up and drunker and drunker during the day to the point where I thought, I don't know if I can take this guy. He's going to, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can bring him up there to Tampa. He's going to go bananas. Anyway, one of my buddies, Dave Leaf, said, everyone just relax, okay? He's just a guy, uh, you know, calm down. And I remember saying to myself, okay, I'm going to see how you react when you meet him. Yeah. That he's just a guy. Easy right? to say it when he's not in the room. Yeah. So he's just a guy. Anyway, we get, we get to the gig. We meet Wayne. My, the, the one buddy's going bananas and Wayne's cool about it. Puts his arm around him. He's the, the guy was so effed up when he met Wayne nervous. He jumped out of the van and Wayne was there. And he's like, Hey, Wayne. Hey, Wayne. He, he, I go, I, I, do you get, do you get people, do you, do you get people asking you for autographs, Wayne? You know, and I'm like, okay, Billy, come here. It'll be fine. And anyway, Dave, I could see my buddy Dave who was telling everyone, just relax. He's just a guy. We go into the bar and Dave, rifles into a seat right beside him, you know, and they're chatting and Dave's tongue tied. Okay. He's tongue tied. He doesn't like, he's, he's going dry mouth and I'm laughing my head off. <laughs> and then he's sitting there. Dave wouldn't let anyone get in there. You know, Brian, you've seen that where guys yep. sit down beside yep. Wayne, they almost sit in his lap, right? You're not going to interrupt this moment. And, and Wayne's sitting there talking to him and, and Dave is, he, you know, he's so nervous, right? <laughs> and Wayne gets up to go for a leak. Uh, and, and Dave looks up. He goes, where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he going? I said, he's going to the bathroom, you moron. He goes, well, cripes, he can't go in there alone. You know, he's, I got to go in there with him. I better follow him, you know. And uh, it was, it's, it's so typical of a lot of people where they say, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then when they get there in the room with them, they're, they're, you know, done. I, you know, I think I've, you just brought this up and it just reminded me of something. Being with Wayne, uh, is like when you first meet him, this story about the guys wanting to sit beside yeah, him yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. He was the forerunner to The Bachelor and The Bachelorette show. You know how they take The Bachelorette oh, out to the right, thing everybody. and they want to talk to The Bachelorette or The oh, Bachelor, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then right. the other people come and they try and kick the other person out so they can get the time with them? Yeah, Wayne, right. Wayne was way ahead of his time. That's yeah, what he yes, is. He He's The they Bachelor were, The Bachelor. Funny fighting for his attention and his affection. Um, but you right. know what? One of the interesting things about the fantasy camp is everyone ends up becoming comfortable around. Like if you walked into one of the bars where the fantasy camp is taking place and you had no concept of, of hockey and hockey players, it would be difficult to determine who is a celebrity and who is not in the sense that everyone is very comfortable among one another. And that was the most special thing I think about, about those, uh, those get togethers. Well, I'm yeah. not sure I'd agree Go with ahead, that. <laughs> well, Wayne would be standing at the bar. You could tell it was him because there'd be 30 people around him. Right. Right. Sure, but, but sure. he'd be treating everybody yes. like, no yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I always said, I always said, uh, you know, the, uh, when, when there are these events, uh, with Wayne, it was always, uh, you know, I said, I should, I should write down and, and have this competition because guys, guys would want to one up the other guy about how well they know Wayne. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> right. It, it'd be like, you know, you, we went to, we went to Vegas for many years with that camp. Right. And, and then you'd see a guy, uh, you know, the next day after the opening where you got all your equipment and shit like that. And, and then a, a guy would go, uh, say, what'd you get up to last night? Right. And the guy go. I had a drink with Wayne you know, in, in the in the pre-vay lounge, right? And uh, and another guy would be there going, "Yeah, I'm having lunch with him today, though. I'm going to be having lunch with him today." And then the, and then the next guy would just, <laughs> it would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's like, well, I've been to his house, you know, I've been to it. No, you haven't been to his house, you know. And, uh, it was it was always so funny. The cool thing about that fantasy camp. So fantasy camps started. A long, long time ago. The, the first fantasy camp, I think, was Reggie Jackson, who came up with this idea of saying, why don't, why don't guys come? We'll do it. We'll have a charity angle. Come to the ballpark for the day, and, and we're going to scrimmage or something. you know. And, and he was one of the first guys who started that whole idea. Baseball, I think, Brian, was the first sport that did it. And then these guys all glommed on to this idea of doing it. Wayne, I thought, would be the last guy who would do it because of you know how much... How, how little private time he had. Fair, fair. Uh, interesting enough then, so but back then, Brian, I think it was 40 guys when it first started. 
It was 120 by the end. It was a highly, highly organized thing. Um, and, you know, the, the quick deal is you show up, you get all this equipment, uh, you know, there's dinners, there's cigar and scotch night. And you're right, Mickey, these guys are all there, you know, and not just Wayne, but, but you're talking about a dozen guys who would come in for this thing and big names, you know, yeah. names. like Brett Hall, yep. like, uh, you had Gordy Howe there one year. Gordy Howe one year. Brooks uh, Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. On and on and on. You talk to guys at the end of it, right? Okay. Now you're there for a hockey deal. Every guy I ever spoke to, if you said, tell me your best experience out of that fantasy camp. Okay. Uh, the best one I ever had was watching a guy get, get a pass from Wayne. Okay. On the ice. Uh, the guy scored. He wheeled around and couldn't, his eyes went wide. He scrambled for the puck, okay, because he got, he got a pass from Wayne. Uh, I'm not lying. He came to the bench. We had the camera rolling back then. We, we ran it the whole time. Donnie Metz was doing it. And uh, the guy, I tapped the guy in the shoulder. I had the mic behind him. I go, how was that? And he turned around. And he went, I shit my pants, okay? <laughs> the, guy, the guy got so excited. You know, he wanted to pass a little gas. Um, but the best experience, everyone always said, if you said, what's your best experience? You're right, Brian. It was always this moment they had with him at the, at, you know, at lunch. Right. Or on the, you know, I sat beside him on the bus. Uh, he came into the dressing room and put his arm around me. Uh, that night we walked, remember he was with Breitling was one of his companies. We all walked over to the Breitling store. Yep. I got to walk with him through the, you know, the hallways of you know, Caesar's, Caesar's palace. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it, all of it had nothing to do with hockey. Nothing. Well, you know, all their experiences, you know, let me tell you that. And you talk about those special moments the, and, and I want to give a little shout out to God bless him. Mike Brown uh, passed away and Jeanette is his wife, but the kids are around and, and they were all part of it. And, and, Mike had a lot to do with the. I know Mike yeah. and I were working with WGA, the, the memorabilia company. Mike, Mike Brown used to head up WG Authentic, right. yeah. And right. we talked about how Brad Jansen introduced me to Mike, and yep. Mike and I became very close friends and his family. Mm-hmm. And Wayne uh, charged Mike with getting this thing up and running. And the amount of work, especially in the early days, that you had to buy, everybody got full sets of equipment, yeah. hockey sticks. He had to find sponsors. All that stuff was a tremendous amount of work. And then Frameworth got involved. I was fortunate enough that he said, well, we should have a, everybody's going to value a picture right. with Wayne. Mm-hmm. So right. we would go down with an on-site framing team and you'd get the photos. We developed you through, through the camp. And at the end of the camp, you walk away with a frame photo of you and Wayne in your equipment. I still have mine hanging in yeah, the office. Right. Yeah. So all of that said, the first camp was in Phoenix. And I remember everybody got their own room and we had resort suites and, and we we're all sitting around at this complex and I was by myself. So, uh, everybody said, well, cocktail parties at seven at the main bar there. So I'm got nothing to do. I can't sleep. I'm too hyped up. So I go mm-hmm. down to the bar at six. I'm sitting by myself at the bar. Nobody in there. And I feel a tap on the shoulder and it's Wayne. Now I don't know Wayne that well at the Yikes. time, yeah. but that's my story. He sat and talked to me yeah. like I was his best friend. Yeah. We had a drink together before anybody got there. And then that whole story about, People started coming in and wanting to talk to me. Get out of here. You're yeah. my friend. I'm sitting there talking to him. You went up to him when, when he tapped you, you on the shoulder and you yeah. said, uh, <laughs> do you sign autographs? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. I was trying to be really cool, but but that's, everybody's got those stories. I'm sure, Jimmy, even you, you yeah. never, you, you never get over the fact that you're, you're friends with or talking to the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's great that that opportunity exists. Jimmy, does it ever get old for you? I mean, you mentioned, you know, every time you see him, it's the great one, but uh, d- diminishing returns or no? Well, I, no, it doesn't. And and I love seeing other people meet him who haven't, you know, it, it. you forget. You forget what a huge, huge presence Gretz is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'll, you'll forget. And I remember going golfing with him here, taking him golfing and... uh you would never, you, you know, you, you couldn't tell them ahead of time, right? Because it'd be a shit show, right? You'd have, you'd have people lined up outside of the pro shop, so you can never say anything. And so Gretz and I pull up in the car, and he gets out, and uh, the little, the, the guys who work the back shop, you know, the cleaning the clubs, the kids who are there, uh, and they're, you know, their eyes, they're looking at this going, oh, my God, as he's walking towards them, and their eyes are getting wider and wider. And there was a cute girl who worked there, young, young 
a super nice young kid, like 15 years old. You know, they hired them for the summer to work the back shop at the golf course. And she was, she was speechless, literally. Okay. She was standing there and I was beside her and she went, is that Wayne Gretzky? And I said, yeah, it is. And she just stood there. Wayne came over, realized this, that this lady was paralyzed. Okay. Paralyzed. And he put his arm around her and said, Jimmy, get some pictures here. You know, and I got the phone going. And next thing I look over, this this girl is absolutely bawling. Oh. Okay. Absolutely. Tears streaming down her eyes going, this is the best day of my life. This is the best day of my life. Uh, so it, that never gets old, Mikey, to answer your questions. It, it just it just doesn't. I, I, I love seeing it. It's, uh, I love seeing the impact he has. Um, and, and, and the influence that he has on other people and, you know, there's a great expression, right? At the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's not all about, you know, who's got the biggest house or the most money. It's it's who's influenced others to reach a greater potential. And and you know, for me personally, w- without him, I would have never got through a bunch of things in my dark days. And uh, you know, when I first went to treatment uh, to to recover from addiction, I was in a 30 day deal. It was my yeah, I always said treatment works, Brian. I've been there three times. <laughs> uh, uh, but when I got out, I I told them, uh, you know, I I was, uh, you know, I went into treatment. I I phoned him and and said, you know, here's where I am. And he was like, way to go, super proud of you. Uh, when I got out of treatment, he phoned me. Literally, he phoned me every single day for months. Wow, months. Checking, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? And so. Uh, that's one of the most special moments for me, uh, looking back at what, what the guy did. And, and it doesn't, Mikey, again, doesn't get old seeing the, what he does for people, how not only does it make their day, I'm not lying. It, it, like that girl, it makes their life. Yeah. It's uh, a story that they'll tell forever. Yeah. You know, just, you know, we got to do this again and get into, there's 15 years of stories from those fantasy camps, but the one, the best thing about those fantasy camps we all made lifelong friends. Yeah. Not just me with the other campers. You know, Derek Morey, who won, right. what, nine out of 15 times. <laughs> just seemed to always be on there. Glenn Gretzky. Cheating little prick. <laughs> <laughs> all the guys, uh, Fraser, Neek, people that we stay in touch with all the time. Um, and, and we're still in touch. We had a, a Zoom call. And even uh, Denny Savard yeah, yeah, yeah. got on the Zoom call yeah. during COVID yep. because the Gretzky guys all got together just to keep each other company because we missed the camp. Now the camp has been, uh, the last one was a few years back. But mm-hmm. the friendships that we made are lifelong, not just with the campers. Right. Wayne knows almost all of them by name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, especially the guys that intended to come once because it was a once in a lifetime and experience continued to come back, but would come back every year, save up all year long. They're coming back to this camp. Yeah. It wasn't cheap. It wasn't, you know, for everybody, right. but you told the story. He made it affordable for a number of people that, that he wanted back. Yes. I know one of the goalies was invited back. He was a good goalie, but couldn't come every year. Uh, he came back on, on Wayne's dime. So those guys, but Wayne will tell you, he'll, he'll know, he'll meet these guys all the time and say, Hey, invite Derek down or right, invite right. Fraser down. Right. That's well, you remembered it. Yeah. Th- think of this, you guys think of this. So this is how sharp he was about the thing, right? Uh, knowing that what I just told you that everyone's best experience was, was not on the ice, but it was just like you spoke about Brian sitting at the bar or we had lunch or he, he t- took pictures. He sat on my cot by the pool, all, all that stuff. So Wayne began to realize that the success of that fantasy camp, um, you know, outside of the obvious that, that he was there were these intimate moments that all these guys liked. Okay. He, he began to see that. So I, I was not, uh, I was not involved in the organization of it, Mikey. I've, later on, as the years went by, you know, his brother Glenn was very, very involved right. and Laurie right. Lomas and these guys. So only some suggestions about dinner, what I thought, you know, to, how to run through the dinner and stuff. But, but no, I didn't. Um, but he get, began to realize that th- this is what the popularity of this thing was. Um, so if you, if you look at it this way, so Wayne's going to have a camp, a fantasy camp. He's going to charge a few grand, uh, whatever it was, 10 grand or something like that. If he, if he kept it wide open, okay, said, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this thing open for two months and we're going to take 
everybody who wants to go to this camp. Okay. Uh, I don't know. 5,000 people would probably sign up for it. Oh, easy. Like easy. If he said it's unlimited. Yeah. It's easy. Unlimited. I'd say more than that. Yeah. So it would, so he was the guy who said, no, we're going to, we're going to stop all that. We're going to limit it to it because the guy, if we lose the intimacy of it. Yes. Then, then it's going to lose the impact that it has on people, you know, because remember Brian at a time, some guys were, <laughs> the fathers would show up uh, with a 17 year old kid for this fantasy camp. And I remember talking to one of the guys going, okay, this is going to be a flop. And the father's like, I just need Wayne to look at him because I think he's got a shot. Oh you know, no. He's got a shot in the NHL. <laughs> oh oh yeah. no. Yeah. 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 It, was, <laughs> it was like, get out of here, you know? So he had to put, he had to put some, restrictions on yeah. it and stuff like that oh yeah the beginning of the camp uh anyway that's that that's how that camp you'd asked about it mikey and and the success of that camp was really those intimate moments and and for sure the life like ian sadler one of those guys he was he prided himself brian because maybe you were the first guy but ian said no i was always the first guy with my dough i was the first guy to always respond and register for the camp huh. and, and i said you're you're the 80th guy I've heard that has been the first guy <laughs> that's done this thing. But Ian Ian is a friend of mine and and uh, he's from Ottawa actually. And I I went to a birthday party in Malaysia that Ian invited me to for his wife. At I the was time. invited uh, as well. What would have been? Uh, <laughs> should have gone. Right? So yeah, you, it was a you, runaway. Yeah. You uh, talk about runaway. the uh, the intimacy and how important that is, and I think there's an element of uh, sports that you don't you don't experience in the intimacy of it when you're watching sports on TV but everyone likes to feel like they're a part of it and that's why something like the medium of podcasting is so important and Jimmy you know we're running a little bit low on time but you have a few podcasts yourself you started off in broadcasting and I will say uh you started off early enough with with a a the name of your initial show uh of uh uh three guys on the radio has a very mm-hmm. intimate podcast style uh, name to it and that was kind of what you were going for it was just it was just low-key conversation and intimacy and everyone knew each of the 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 hosts for being a certain way it reminds me of what we've we've come to know in in the in the podcast industry but you you have a few others jimmy do you want to talk quickly about the other podcasts that you're involved in right so uh for sure you know you want to talk about me mikey we can do it all day long do i yeah, want more. want or need those are those <laughs> are need two, two other things. shows yeah. three other yeah maybe yeah. a week yeah. maybe maybe so here's uh three guys in the radio was the name of the show when they launched that sports station uh and the whole idea was a sports talk radio station um which we're all familiar with now so we're talking sports every 20 minutes there's a sports update is it the fan is it the fan in toronto yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so same drill you know, it's the same template. Um, so the the guy who invent the the guy who launched that station, a guy named Mark Mayhew, who worked for the Waters family, you know, uh, was Chum who originally started that station. So when when I got hired to do that, uh, I was filling in in the summers, and then I got I got this morning show. He he brought me in and said, "Here's the deal. Uh, what what this show is going to be um, is is three guys sitting around the bar." Talking about what happened in sports that day, which are, yeah. which is typical guys, right? Uh, and he, he also made a the point that guys get together, uh, Brian, Mikey, and they always talk sports. Okay, they always start talking sports, but they always end up talking about women. Okay, in the, <laughs> okay, in the end, they do. And he said, "That's what I want that show to be." Okay, that, I want it to be three guys, just like the three of us are sitting around. And we're going to, you know, we'd probably go, Jesus, did you see Conor McGregor go down the other night? And we'd talk about it. Uh, so that made for a great show. They, they ended up with good ratings. It was like no one had ever heard. Uh, when it was chum, I got to say anything I want. Right. right. It was crazy, the shit we did on the show. And then Bell took it over, and that was the end of my, my run in radio. <laughs> had to, um, had to, to tie but, you down a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but but it did make for a great uh, example for a podcast. You know, I... I, I think the great shows go like that. I've been doing it a long time. And, yeah. And you're, you're, this is your podcast. And, and I think this was, this is what makes a really good show. Um, you take an issue, whatever it is, uh, that people are talking about. And so it's a, it's a one, two, three punch. Okay. So the issue is, uh, is Connor McDavid gone too far? Okay, for an example. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. This guy said he wanted to kill the guy. McGregor, he, Connor, you know, Connor McGregor. Connor McGregor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's clear that up. Connor McGregor. So that's the issue. 
So that's what we're going to talk about today. Or, or let's say the Stanley Cup final. Okay, did Montreal lose or was, okay, that, that'd be more apropos here. So that's the issue the next day, the Stanley Cup final. So we come on air, that's what we're talking about. That's number one. The second one is, okay, what do the experts say about it? Right. Okay. And now we're, so we're going to talk to a Terry Jones or, or, or some reporter or, uh, you know, Bob McKenzie. Okay. What do they say about it? The third one is, what do you think about it? The mm-hmm. public. Right. Okay. So here's the issue. What do the experts say? But what do you think? Right. Okay. Or vice versa. You can go, what, here's the issue. What do you say about a general public? And then here's what the experts say. Sure. Sure. And that's what makes for great segments. That, that's what makes for really good segments. Totally. One, two, whammo. Right? And then there's, there's a quite a different formula for the suspendables, which is you and Russ Cortnell. Uh, uh, just, just kind of talking that, that one feels to me, or sorry, not, not quite different. That, that is also along the lines of, uh, of, of what you're talking about before, but it is just the two of you. Uh, Russ obviously coming at this with some perspective, having, having played and, and, and you with the experience in broadcasting. Um, you've been doing that one. You're, you're over 100 episodes now you you've been you've been doing that one for quite a while and there's one more you had mentioned that just got picked up by sportsnet so you're all over this this industry uh at the mm-hmm. moment right yes yeah I, I i love it when you know i did a podcast myself for a while because I, I i've got the, the like, like brian does I, i've got a really thick rolodex you know with uh with you know all my friends are really successful i'm not but they are all my buddies so um uh. So that's how I started it. Uh, the success of those podcasts, you know, the one with Russ, uh, you know, we, we, you, you want to take on a hockey podcast. You want to you want to get into a sports and hockey podcast in Canada. Good luck. Yeah, there's Good a lot of competition because there. there's hundreds of them, hundreds of them. Uh, so when we did this, when Russ asked me to do it, I went down to L.A. to meet with our partner about it. The guy wanted to do it. And I said, listen, if we're going to do this, you know, how do you separate yourself, Mikey? You know, your podcast that you and Brian are doing, you've, you've constantly got to ask yourself, how are we going to separate ourselves from other podcasts? Um, and you need to do that. Yep. So I met with them and said, okay, let's do this thing. But I'll, I'll tell you what we're not going to do is we're not breaking down hockey games. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we're not, we're not going to bust that, down yeah. the game from the day before. We're not going to talk about trades. We're not going to talk about, firings of coaches and who should you know who should play with who and all that stuff it it, it it's first of all i i don't like it for and secondly i don't know enough about it uh you know so let's get someone on and talk and you know and talk about stories from their nhl days yeah russ russ is fantastic okay he's he doesn't have a filter he doesn't give a shit what he says uh to a, to a point uh he's a very good storyteller um, he's got credibility, uh, you know, speaking of people being overwhelmed, there's, there's a lot of Russ Cortnell fans out there still. So that's what separates our podcast, uh, from it. And, and that's what I think you have to do in all podcasts. Yep. And that, it, it, that. it, it does come down to that sort of finding your niche. And that's why we like to talk about the business of sports and kind of the background. Uh, it's always interesting to hear how people got involved in the industry that you're involved in. Uh, Jim, you had mentioned that you, uh, that all of your friends are successful, but you aren't for what it's worth. Uh, I look at you as the successful person in the, uh, the medium. And, uh, I think you should, you should take that to heart. Uh, we're running, kind, little, <laughs> we're, we're running a little, Mikey. we're running a little bit low on time. Yeah. For, for a modicum of sincerity, uh, to, to sign off the podcast, uh, running a little bit low jim once again thanks so much for joining us you can find jim on twitter uh, at jungle jim jerome you can find him on instagram at jungle jerome uh listen to his podcast look him up there uh, they're fantastic we will also be doing a giveaway uh in Here tandem with the yeah. suspendables podcast and the sign off podcast we're going to be giving away two jerseys all you're going to have to do is subscribe to the Suspendals podcast. Make sure you're subscribed already to uh, the Sign Off podcast, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. Send a screenshot confirming those subscriptions to signoffpod at framework.com and we're going to be doing the draw. We'll announce the dates and the jerseys soon, so make sure you're following us on social media. Let's give a little teaser. One of our our number one (laughs) sellers of all time uh, and big part of the success of this I'll give you a clue. Hey, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you should be. I'm pointing at the player right now. That's the that's the guy's jersey. So hey, we got a Sidney Crosby jersey. The on. What, what are we doing here? There we go. Sidney Crosby. That no, that, that that's the player, but we're going to give a Sidney Crosby yes. jersey and one of our other uh, key guys in Toronto, Mitch Marner jersey. So we got two jerseys to give away just because I like uh, giving back. 
Uh, Sounds good. Taking Wayne's example. So that's so, so follow us and make sure you're paying attention on social media. We'll have details and uh, we can reiterate all the rules and uh, applications to that. Uh, Jim, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, fantastic podcast host, com- is self, self-proclaimed comedian, and according to Wayne Gretzky, the funniest human being on the planet. Uh, you know, Wayne's good at a lot smart. of things, but He's apparently smart, his, Wayne, his judgment really on comedy isn't quite what it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> um can I just, before we go, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about uh, stuff that, that we, you know, that collect or, or memorabilia that people have. I mean, I mean, that's your bread and butter, Brian. So I've been, uh, I've traveled a lot. Uh, the the two, two of my favorite places I went to were New York City and uh, Chicago. And I remember touring around museums in, in New York City and, you know, from MoMA to the you know, Museum of History, all, all sorts of stuff. Uh and I was knocked out by that. But I was never more knocked out uh, by the first day uh, when you invited me, Brian, to do your gig that lunch. And I walked into your office. I'd never seen it before. And I remember walking through the front doors going, boom, hmm. look at this place. Oh, my God. And going from the, the that showroom that you have, I don't know if it's changed since I was there four or five years ago, I guess, uh, how come I didn't get invited back, Brian? Jesus Christ. Okay, it was terrible. I must have offended someone. Anyway, that that thing, that that room of yours, that showroom, I don't know if you, you know, it's obviously open yep. to the public. But if you're listening to this and you've never been up to your office, man, you've, you've got to go. It's better than any museum I've ever been to. It's, I'm not kidding you. It, it's absolutely staggering, staggering the stuff that you have there on the walls of, uh, of that place uh, I, I was absolutely knocked out, man. Uh, congratulations. It's, 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 it's a freaking top seven, whatever wonders of the world in Canada. Okay. Well, wonders, of, been, wonders of the world in Canada. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, wonder- it's been a great journey uh, for, for both of us. And we've made a lot of good friends and uh, people I never thought I'd be able to associate with. And, and you're one of them, Jim. And, so thank you. And hopefully yeah, we can, lot, uh, hopefully we can get you back on the podcast again at some point. What about TikTok? TikTok? Hang on. I don't want to go. Yet. What about your TikTok stuff? Mick? My, my TikTok. Thank you very oh, much. The best. You can, the uh, best. you can follow those uh, at soup plant. S-O-U-P-P-L-A-N-T. Uh, nothing to do with sports, all to do with uh, disappointing Just my father. Goofy, so. goofy <laughs> shit. I'll tell you what it is. I, you know what it is? Because it's the same for me when someone says, how do you get away with what you're, you know? So if you find the right arena, okay, back in the, when we did that radio show, when the guy said, you just do what you want. So I was super lucky to find the arena. And, and really what it was, was a radio show where I got to say the voice that's in my head. Sure, sure. No <laughs> filter, that, just just let it go. Yeah, and that's your TikTok. I, I appreciate that. Just getting to see what's in his And head. sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, it I, is bizarre. That, that's that's what most of my critics will say. <laughs> I appreciate that. Be proud, that, Dad. Be proud. <laughs> um, once good. again, it's thank me. you so much for joining us. That's Jim Jerome. I'm joined by Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth, and this is myself, Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast, and this is us signing off. Cheers, brothers. Wow, that's awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadoo Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!